Hello, and you're listening to Mixed Feelings Radio. I'm your host, Kelsey, and this is a safe space for candid conversations about the mixed feelings we sometimes have about our own mixed experiences. How often do you feel like an imposter? All the time? Join the Mixed Feelings Club. Me too. I found this to be a common thread in my conversations about being mixed. But what about going undercover? What does that even mean? Some recent sticky encounters gave me this idea that I'm constantly going undercover simply by existing in the body I do. As Armand and I discuss this strange phenomenon and being white passing, we work through ideas of biased thinking around race, what we expect to see when we think of white, Korean, Persian, Chinese, or black bodies, and where these feelings of disconnect come from. What does it mean to be white passing nowadays? What even is white? Is it positive, negative? I'm still working through these feelings, and that's one of the main reasons I've started this project. For the most part, the feedback to the podcast has been extremely positive. Although one constructively critical suggestion was to not just interview people who are white mixed. In some ways, without intent, there was a centralizing of whiteness in my first two conversations. I think the reality there is really because I have some of my own white guilt or white shame I haven't realized or processed. I was reticent to share with this person that my next guest was going to be Persian and Korean mixed, but unfortunately the topic was whiteness. It's my goal to cover as wide a range of identities and experiences as I can, but it can only go so far as my own reach. If you're listening and want to process some of your own mixed feelings, send me a DM or leave me a voice note. Let's be friends. Stay tuned at the end of our call for my own doozy of a debrief on my own mixed feelings about being an undercover POC and what it means to me and my relationship to my own identity. Hello, how are you, Armand? Great, Kelsey. Thanks for having me. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Exciting. Okay, let's get right into it. How would you identify? I identify as a uh, mixed race for sure, but specifically East Asian and Middle Eastern. Okay. Do you want to go a little bit deeper? Yeah. So my mom is from Korea and uh, my dad is from Iran. From where in Korea, where in, where in Iran? Uh, my mom was born in Seoul, the capital. And she came here when she was two. So she practically grew up here in Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad came here when he was 16. And that's because of the whole Iranian revolution thing, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to escape that that climate. Uh, and then they met here in their 20s, right? So then the rest is history. <laughs> Some people might know, but we've already done an episode that we haven't released. So this is kind of our second go. The main reason I wanted to chat with you is to get a little bit more focus. And as we talk about this, I realize that there's actually so many more topics that we could talk about. But today, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about kind of being undercover as a person of color. Hmm. So this idea came to me recently while I was out with some people that I didn't know. And they said some kind of out of pocket stuff about Asians. And when I was recounting this to my friends later, I realized that it was not the first time that this had happened to me in my life when people said really racist things to me or not to me, but around me while in my presence, because I'm very white passing. Mm -hmm. And 
I realized that it happens a lot. And I think it's because I kind of live this undercover life. And I think when we spoke the last time, you had expressed that this happens to you often, living kind of a white passing life. And I wanted to know more about your experience growing up mixed, but specifically your experience growing up white passing and kind of like that blurred line between those two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like when you when you bring up those concepts, I think for me, what comes to mind is memories of mine where when I was in high school, I was super into like anime and, and stuff like that, which obviously has an Asian heritage. And I remember being uh, half Korean, kind of being like ashamed or sad that like anime was Japanese. And I was like, why can't like Koreans have something? And then, you know, K-pop came around and that was sort of its own moment where, you know, some of my friends and I, we liked it and uh, it kind of caught on. And I, throughout high school, I just remember like kind of wanting to be eight more Asian. You know, like I styled my hair a certain way um, or I dressed a certain way. And then I really, really wasn't in touch with my Persian side at all, like the Iranian side. And so then it all changed when I got to university. At U of T, there's so many more different, you know, people from all different backgrounds and there's a huge Persian community in uh, U of T. And so this is where I kind of found more Persians that I had never found before. Like my high school had like almost zero. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really started to get in touch with this side as well. Like the language started to come back a little bit because my grandparents spoke it to me when I was a kid. So I'm not 100% fluent, but I'll get by. And I remember like kind of lo honestly losing touch with the Korean side uh, when I was in university because... My experience with the Korean students at U of T was like, it was very much kind of a frat or like a, a clique hmm. where they had their own, you know, student groups and stuff. And they were just so Korean that I couldn't, you know, like the language wasn't there. There was a language barrier for me and the culture like wasn't there. And I felt out of place. And honestly, I think it's a, I think it's a, a general thing with Koreans is that they feel a little bit colder when you compare them to other cultures. Maybe that's, you know, Asian culture in general, like Chinese as well. But the Persian people that I met, on the other hand, were so welcoming. And Interesting. yeah, I didn't feel like the language was a barrier at all. Even though everyone spoke English, like they actually encouraged me to kind of like speak Farsi more. Whereas with the Koreans, I kind of felt like if you weren't speaking Korean, then like they kind of didn't talk to you. Wow. <laughs> right. So that's where that kind of all started. And so when it comes to like my identity and and white passing and stuff like that. I think I've always been sort of in between cultures and mm -hmm. flip-flopping back and forth and trying to find a sort of community where, you know, do I belong to one or the other? And then I kind of realized that it doesn't really matter. I think the more people that I met, I just kind of started to be myself more. And the mixed identity of these two countries just became my entire identity. And that's just a unique thing that I didn't have to find the Persian group to fit in or the Korean group to fit in. I was just mm -hmm. me and that's who I am. And whoever I meet that, you know, I'll become friends with, but it, it has nothing to do with, you know, where I'm from. That's really nice. I think you have a really unique upbringing as well because your parents, you grew up with both of your parents in your household. I did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they imparted their culture on you, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. Like we, we celebrated a lot of the culture. I think I'm really thankful my parents for that, like making sure that a lot of their cultural traditions were instilled in my brother and I. Um, like mm -hmm. we celebrated Korean New Year, we celebrated Persian New Year. But I think 
even still, like to this day, I, I keep learning more and more about my cultures through other people because my parents could only teach me so much. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when they when they grew up here a little bit as as young adults, I think that Toronto, Canada, maybe like a, a more white majority country as a whole kind of like made them assimilate a bit. And so, totally. you know, my mom didn't speak Korean to me growing up. Um, and my dad didn't really speak Farsi to me growing up, even though he could. I think just it was just easier to speak English, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like the culture is there, but not 100%. And when I compare myself to like, let's say people who are fully Korean or fully Persian, I definitely feel like there's some parts missing. But mm-hmm. I kind of tell myself, there's nothing I can do about that. And I just try to learn more more about it like throughout my life. Mm-hmm. What I find kind of interesting, and maybe this is a stretch, but a lot of the people that I've spoken to who have these kind of quote unquote mixed feelings about their culture and their backgrounds, the few people that I've spoken to so far on the show are people who have are coming from single parent household. Mm-hmm. In your case, both of your parents are a racialized background mm-hmm. and you grew up in that household with both of them. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have that disconnect from it. So you feel kind of like this, for lack of a better word, kind of like a warm hug from both sides. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a lot of, it doesn't sound like, and maybe I'm speaking for you, but like a huge disconnect when you, like for me, when I think of myself as white passing, I almost feel it's a badge of dishonor that I look at myself as like, oh, I wish I, I wish I looked more Chinese mm. because I wish I could kind of have more of a connection to that side of myself. Do you feel that's like uh, rooted in how you present and like appearance though? Because yeah, I would argue I, that like, you know, you can, you can connect with a culture without looking the part. And I'm course. not trying to like, you know, say that you should, I'm just like, thinking about that because that's the first time i've heard someone say that right yeah i'm like trying to kind of unpack it as i say it out loud here for the first time but i think (laughs) that it is maybe it's because i'm disconnected from my culture that i have the same those feelings about my appearance Mm -hmm. and if i was more connected with my culture i wouldn't have those feelings about my appearance Mm -hmm. but i mean i guess my feel and my next question for you is we spoke about your kind of like experience of white passing what is it how do you feel about that now I think I still, you know, sometimes get a, let's say a white pass when I'm walking down the street. And I think a big part of it as well is just the way, probably the way I, I, I would say, this is my guess, the way I dress and the way I carry myself. Because again, growing up in Canada and, you know, having all these friends that, that also, you know, grew up here and we just want to be cool and fit in. I think that definitely that's that's what contributes to the white passing and also the fact that I I don't have an accent right because we grew up speaking English here. I I do get mm-hmm. um so last night we were we were out at a bar and uh we met these you know some people that were just strangers and we started talking and every time I meet new people I I kind of make it a game at this point to try and have them guess where I'm from. Because, you know, I'm racially ambiguous or ethnically ambiguous, right? And I make them guess. And it it's always, I guess that it it's kind of been like a, a party trick mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I bet you'll never guess, right? And it's honestly, it is a good icebreaker a bit because mm-hmm. it does get a conversation going. Um, but what's interesting about last night is that I the girl, the girl was black. One of the girls was black and one of the girls was white. And then we were with these two other guys from, from England that were visiting. 
And so the black girl guessed that I was Asian. I said, okay, yeah, you're right. My mom's from Korea, right? So someone could see that Mm -hmm. I was racialized in some way. And then I think she guessed the other side was like Guyanese. And I said, no. And then I said, my dad's from Iran, right? And she goes, Iran. And then she goes, "Uh, so you're Arab. And I said, no, not quite. And I kind of like, (laughs) "Uh, no. And then I explained, you know, just Middle Eastern, like it's not exactly Arab. It's just like in the Middle East. Yeah. I kind of, I tried to like explain it a bit more. And then the best part is that the the other white girl said, oh, Eid Mubarak, because, you know, Eid just passed. And I said, oh, I'm not Muslim either. Like, yeah. so I think it's just interesting how, I mean, I'm I'm sure that the, the source and cause of this was just that these people are a bit more ignorant than most. But it's just, again, it was just a funny story of how people can just assume different things about you, not even based on the way you look. Like, I don't know what part of me would, let's say, present as Muslim, but I know that there are definitely people that all kinds of people that look different ways that practice Islam. But it was just so funny to me that like, they made that connection of, oh, like, you might be Arab, even though he just said he wasn't yeah. <laughs> like, I'm gonna wish him, you know, Eid Mubarak anyway. So <laughs> I mean, they tried. Yeah. yeah. So like, it's I don't know if my white passing worked there or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess do you feel like you've ever do you feel like your white passing has ever given you positive pass like has it benefited me yeah yeah i think i think to me in the ways that it might benefit and again this is just speculation because i think it depends completely on the other person is that like if someone sees a photo of me and let's say just my first name i think like i don't know to me it seems more of an an ethnic uh, ambiguous pass because they can't quite pinpoint you know Mm. they might think that my name is like well okay maybe he's a minority or not. And then if they see my photo, it's like, maybe he's a minority, but he's not, there's no melanin in his skin. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I feel like, yeah, exactly. I think that's where the line gets drawn for me is that to me, it's not so much of a white passing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, when I look at myself, I consider my skin to be yellow or, you know, a little bit more like olive or yellow. And I think to me where I draw the line, is just like, there's no melanin. And I think that's where I think people, people's biases really tend to come up mm-hmm. is in that sense. Mm-hmm. Cause if we think about, you know, how Asians th- present and their features, like, you know, it's the eyes or the skin tone. And I think some people have told me, you know, my eyes look a bit more Asian. Sometimes it's when I'm wearing glasses. Sometimes it's when I'm not. Right. Mm-hmm. And so those features, I feel like to me, I, sometimes I don't even feel like it's about white passing. Although I do understand what you're saying. I feel like it's more on the other side where it's like, he just he's just not melanated <laughs> yeah no i hear you it's, yeah yeah it's more so like how non-threatening is he yeah like do you consider yourself fair-skinned kelsey or like would you say you have yellow skin yeah. as well yeah i would say so uh, yeah more fair skin mm-hmm. than than not for sure mm-hmm. yeah in the kind of topic of being undercover here mm-hmm. have you ever experienced being you obviously and then being in situations where people have felt comfortable enough to say uncomfortable things, <laughs> let's say racist things in your presence because they assumed that you were one of them or again, non-threatening enough to be able to say those things. I can't recall. And I only ask that because yeah. this is, you know, this is, this kind of came up from a situation that I had. I know. And I feel like it's, it's actually, I feel like it happens so much more than we think. Mm-hmm. In cl- behind closed doors or you know 
in closed spaces. But I think for me, like I don't, I can't recall a specific time. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, what does happen that does come to mind is my girlfriend is Indian, and I think a lot of the time I get, I hear a lot of shit that people say about brown people when she's not there. Mm-hmm. And I think because like, and again, that's funny thing because sometimes some of the same stereotypes can apply to Iranians as well. Mm-hmm. or Middle Eastern people or, you know, quote unquote Arabs in general, as that last person said. But I think it's like, yeah, they just don't think that someone is going to have like color to them. You know, mm-hmm. they just kind of, it's, it's undercover is like such a perfect word because it's like, <laughs> you feel like you've sli- sneaked past their defenses mm-hmm. a little bit <laughs> or infiltrated, you know, and they, yeah, they do feel comfortable. Yeah. I mean, the most recent one that I can remember that I'll share just because it, I remember it so vividly and it like my, my jaw dropped mm-hmm. was I was, we were out for drinks and this girl, I saw this guy and he was really good looking and I was like, Oh, he's really good looking. And he looked like someone we knew he, this guy that we know is half Chinese. And she was like, Oh, he's not my type. And I was like, well, what's your type? And she was like, half Asian, over six foot, really rich. That's exactly who you just described. This guy we know. And she was like, "Mm, he's not the right, he's not the right Asian. What's the right Asian? She was like, Japanese is the right Asian. (laughs) (laughs) And the moment I was like, I don't think she knows I'm Asian. I don't think she knows I'm Chinese. Yeah. And I just stopped talking and moved on. I saw her go off with her sister. And I, th- I think they re- like had a moment where they realized and they spoke about it. And she apologized to me later. And I just, oh, I couldn't, man. I, she was like, I hope you don't think I'm intolerant. And I was like, it's, you know, in that moment, all I could say was it's fine. I don't want to yeah. talk about it because I, I wasn't really going to have this big conversation, but it wasn't really fine. Mm-hmm. It was this mixture of like fetishization where she was kind of like fetishizing half Asian men. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, just also like only Japanese men. <laughs> I know. Like very weird. And she also said that she had yellow fever, which I was no also way. like, you, you cannot say that. What the fuck? <laughs> um, but again, this was all before that she found out that I was half Chinese. And I was just like, you know, this is not cool. I know that's like, that's that's to me like a perfect storm of like everything you were describing about before. Mm-hmm. Like so it hit like all the points. Yeah. Holy crap. But those are the things that that I think maybe need to be talked about more, but it, I was saying to my friends later is that like it's hard to advocate in those moments for myself when something says someone says something so shitty and that kind of affects me when she was saying oh Japanese are better a- Asian. I had a really hard time standing up for myself. But if she were to say something about black people or mm-hmm. Indian people or Muslim people or whatever, I think I would have had no problem getting up on my soapbox and telling her that she was a piece of shit. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's because you have this like personal connection to it, right? Yeah. It's a bit so, more I guess, nuanced. Yeah. So I guess I'm wondering for you, being undercover, and we've talked about this before kind of personally, but I'm wondering how does being an undercover POC white passing person, how does that affect your advocacy for people of color? 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what um, affects it most is definitely situations or spaces where it's kind of in the moment mm. because, I mean, exactly what you went through, right? It's like what happened there was that she didn't even suspect that you were you were half Chinese or at all because of the way you looked, I'm assuming, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I think about like my ability to like advocate, I think that sometimes, yeah, like if people don't know who I am, mm -hmm. um, they don't know me, they just see what I look like. I think sometimes it can be a bit like, like if I was to speak on something, they'd be like, is this guy, is this guy able to talk about those things? Mm -hmm. Like, can you say that about Asians? I think this came up actually. I was, I think I shared like a, a meme or something about like Persians and it was like, it was a joke. Right. And I thought that it might not be obvious to people because I don't, sh I was on Instagram. I don't show my face on my profile. Right. Mm -hmm. I thought it, that it might not be obvious to people that I might, I'm even mixed race or even Persian. Mm -hmm. So I put the flag, I put the flag emojis in my bio to kind of counteract that. But how, I, I, well, how I, was the joke? How did the joke land? <sighs> Honestly, it, it turned out fine. Like, I didn't get any replies okay. about it. But again, like, the, the people who follow me who know I'm Persian, right, they'll find it funny. Mm -hmm. I was just worried about, you know, it being a public account. I just didn't want to step on any toes. Like, I'm always very cautious of that. I don't mm -hmm. want someone to see it and just have it be an issue where they message me and be like, hey, like, I don't think this is okay. And then me having to explain to them, like, oh, I'm actually, like, half Persian. Mm -hmm. But you didn't know that because you don't even know me. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I just, to avoid those fucking conversations altogether mm -hmm. i think that's why i did that um i know i'm not talking about advocacy i'm so sorry but that's okay i agree with you though it's like okay i will say this because i think this this does come this does come to mind i think we you and i talked about this last time as well the whole anti-asian hate during covid like the, there was a peak of that and i remember just like feeling the pain obviously that the asian community as a whole was feeling Mm -hmm. but knowing that like thinking about it as like would i be a target of this yes or no mm -hmm. or yeah. would my mom even be a target of this because uh, growing up i always thought that my mom didn't look super asian yeah and this is this is gonna sound weird but this is because like her eyes were not as asian as other people that i grew up with or the other people that i knew and i was a kid right like i think mm -hmm. i just always saw my mom as having these like sort of bigger eyes and so I thought to myself, I was like, I wonder if, like, if I, if I'm her son and I kind of see her as this way, how do other people see her? Mm -hmm. Like, would she be a target of this, this Asian violence? Yeah. And would I be a target of this? And so it was more about like being able to share the pain or feeling like you were authorized to share the pain. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like um, being, you know, half Asian, it's like, we obviously feel the pain in a general sense, but how in integrated are we into these communities, you know, because we're not full Asian. Mm -hmm. That was something I always thought about. And I think when it comes to the topic of advocacy, I, d I wasn't sure if I was going to, you know, as you said, get on a soapbox and say anything because I didn't know if it was my place or not. Yeah. Because again, it was such a specific thing to Asian communities as a whole. And it was so rooted in, targeting someone for how they look mm -hmm. that i was like am i gonna be able to do i have a do i have a place to speak on this or no yeah i think that's where i stand on on your question yeah yeah it's funny how we sometimes have a harder time advocating for ourselves in these moments because i think i've seen you be an advocate for other causes mm -hmm. on your own social platforms mm -hmm. 
And, and like, you know, the Asian hate too, as well. And I'm curious to know what in those moments when people have said things about Indian people in your presence that might affect your, your girlfriend or like that would offend you, your girlfriend, if she, if she were there, would you speak up in those moments or do you speak up in those moments? That's a great question. Or do you feel confident enough to speak up in those? Like that's, you know, Yeah, I think, I think I definitely do because it's that idea of like, it's not me. It's someone I care about. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And it's so much easier <laughs> to do that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, the things that have been said too, it's like, it's always about like how, you know, Indian people smell or they're cheaper. It's like all these, you know, the classic stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And it's always just so funny to me because growing up, you know, being a school kid and I think Russell Peters was like the biggest shit at the time. I think, you know, those stereotypes got perpetuated around so much that it was a joke. And before I met my girlfriend, I very much was in that camp of like finding them funny. And then once you get to know the culture and not only know the culture, but get close with someone who doesn't find those funny and thinks, you know, Russell Peter, you know, he's a, he's a legend (laughs) if if you want to say that, Mm -hmm. but sometimes his stuff has also hurt, you know, the Brown community, let's say. Yeah. So her explaining that to me and me sort of understanding how some of these are just not true or how some of these are actually like, based in reason mm-hmm. you know um like there's a there's a reason why you know the stereotype exists and it's because of the let's say the way that you know they they immigrated to this country and they had to survive like this and stuff like that like so it's always stuff like that that i feel like people are just ignorant to the mm-hmm. history there and so I, yeah it's a lot easier to put someone in in their place and just it's always an educating thing you know i don't mean to i don't want to punish anybody for it but yeah it's, it's it's also like that that feeling of anger sometimes again because it's it's a protective thing when it's someone you care about and I don't yeah. hesitate it's always yeah it's kind of like an afterward thing where it's like and I I agree wholeheartedly with what you said too in your story it's like in that moment like I don't want to start anything and all you can say is it's fine but mm-hmm. I'm always like thinking about okay how am I going to address this after you know yeah like, I'm going to have a chat with them <laughs> yeah but it's weird because it's in those moments. Well, on one level, it was someone that I don't really care to educate. Mm-hmm. Two, I don't care to see again. Mm-hmm. Three, it was me that was feeling affected by it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily think that I had the energy in that moment to kind of go there with that person. So I was mm-hmm. just like, I, it's fine. You know, I think that in that moment, I think it would have been lost on that person. Yeah. I feel that too. Like, it's like, why waste my time? Yeah. I can tell that they probably don't have like the, just from the way they talk and let's say the words that they use. I I, I always can, I feel like, and my girlfriend and I do this a lot too. We feel, I always feel like we can sort of gauge when someone doesn't have the like educational capacity to understand why these things are the way they are and like why this is not okay. Mm -hmm. And it's like to have to explain that to them. It's like, bro, you need to go get a a university degree and just know how to think critically, please. (laughs) Yeah. I could teach you a week long course in this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So lastly, as far as the white passing conversation goes, I think it's probably pretty safe to say that given the way the world works, your white passing card probably affects you more positively than negatively (laughs) way that like the systems are set up. Yeah. I'm curious to know, if you've ever found yourself in a situation where it has affected you negatively, oh yeah, it's been the dealt <laughs> the wrong card. 
this this I have a story for. Oh. Um, we were at a party, me and my girlfriend, and um, it was her friend's uh, surprise party. And her friend is Punjabi, and ev- and it was in Brampton. Everyone at the party was brown. Okay. I was the only non-brown person there. Hmm. And so um, the girl's younger brother was, he was high as shit also, which is the funny part of the story. But he's talking about like, he goes, yo, white people are like just so fucking like X, Y, Z, right? And he turns to me and he goes, no offense. <laughs> and my girlfriend and I just looked at each other and we just like started cracking up laughing. Like both because like it was him, it was the way he was like talking, but also for the fact that like because like it was it was everything. It's like I, I because I was the only non-brown person there. Like it was kind of like I'm white, okay. But the other funny thing is like, and my name is also a name in Hindi. It's Arman, right? So like everyone there was saying my name properly, and we talked and like you know. You you'd think that this guy wouldn't have thought I was white based on my name, That's you know. Funny. Maybe it's because he was high, but yeah, it was just funny because it's like <laughs> I got, uh, yeah, I got called white, like straight up. <laughs> I love that. So, with that being said, this was a really great conversation, and look forward to having more conversations with you on this topic. Maybe we'll have another one about your parents or something else altogether. But um, it was really nice chatting with you. You too. Thanks for having me. (laughs) All right. Talk to you soon. As I edited this episode and listened to Arman and I talk over the same subject 10 times or more, I came to realize a huge shortcoming in my own way of thinking and seeing myself. I'm starting to realize I have a fairly binary way of thinking. If it's not this, it's that. If I'm not seen as Chinese, I'm obviously seen as white. If you've tuned into my first episodes, you'll have heard me talk a lot and somewhat covertly about my mixed feelings about my appearance and how I present to others. This is some big luggage to unpack, but now that I can see it for what it is, I have a better path to working on it. Put plainly, I struggle with my appearance. Whether this is a byproduct of awkward youth, being teased as a child, body dysmorphia, internalized racism, or just self-confidence, I feel some type of way about the way I look. At times, I've wanted to look more Chinese, other times more white. Other times, ambiguity was the most appealing, and even other times, I didn't consider it or even care at all. Now, I won't claim to be the only one with these feelings. I know I can't be. But on the spectrum of my mixed feelings, I'm just unsure of where personal general confidence and cultural confidence begins and ends. As I unpack my mixed feelings about my own identity, I am realizing they're intrinsically linked to how I feel about my appearance. I find myself often asking questions that essentially guide toward how my caller feels about their own appearance, how they land themselves in the context of this or that. And I think it's because I don't know how to process my own feelings about it. Having grown up culturally Western or put more racially white, I feel white and I think of myself as that but I long to feel Chinese. I think if I looked more Chinese, maybe I'd feel more Chinese? This is of course speculative and I'll never know. I'm learning that the seemingly quickest way to feeling more at peace with my looks is to find peace with my culture. This episode about being undercover may have felt a bit disjointed at times. I know I felt that listening to it. Probably because I went into the call with an idea of talking about being an undercover POC. But what my subconscious really wanted to do was ask, 
How do you feel about the way you look? Do you struggle the same way I do? It appears Armand is relatively at peace with his appearance and the way it's linked to his culture and identity. Perhaps I could have talked more about his feelings about this growing up, since you know I'm going through my own identity puberty right now. There was a light bulb moment for me where I had to mourn a little in editing because one thing that Armand had that I don't was a family unit at home. His mother and father were both around growing up and they also tried their best to instill their cultures onto their kids. I only had half of that and perhaps that's why I sometimes feel incomplete. There was one particular thing Armand said that stuck out to me. It was about the care we give to those we love when put in positions to protect and defend them, especially when unpleasant things are said that may affect them. Upon reflection, I realize I need to put myself in the position of care. I need to care for myself enough to stand up for myself in those moments, not just when it affects others. Standing up for causes that affect me personally may eventually lend a hand in me finding more clarity in a view of myself as Chinese. A huge part of this podcast journey for me is in some ways personal reflections disguised as therapy. Each episode touches on a topic that I struggle with and sometimes discussing it openly helps me get to the reason I feel so mixed up about all of it. This episode helped me understand that I have some shame and guilt about my whiteness and also absence of Chineseness. These are things that are with me daily as I live in a Chinese and white body, but I hope through these conversations I find some comfort in it and I hope if you're having any of these feelings, maybe you will too. Thanks for listening and sharing with me. This has been Mixed Feelings Radio. I'm Kelsey signing off. Please make sure to subscribe and rate Mixed Feelings wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for feeling with me.